we are recording this and we're going to like cut up your answers so that we can have what makes sense where we get to it when we're talking about employers or demographics or whatnot. So if you need to re-say something, feel free to just start over and Marita will make sure it all sounds clean. Okay, I'll do my best to make it as, as crisp as possible so you don't have to do much editing. We appreciate it, sir. Okay, three, two, one. The landscape in Arizona is changing. So is its political climate. For decades, Arizona had a reputation as being a conservative haven. It introduced the country to politicians like Barry Goldwater and John McCain, hardliners like Jan Brewer and Joe Arpaio. But Arizona's population continues to grow. And the influx of new residents is changing our state's politics. With the ever-changing landscape of Arizona's electorate, our state is looking more like one of those battleground states that presidential candidates will covet. Once a reliably red state, Arizona has become increasingly purple. In fact, NBC News named Arizona one of the top three states to watch during the upcoming election. 2020 could invite another blue wave in Arizona. While Republicans still outnumber Democrats in the state, recent polls indicate the potential for a shift to the left. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez, a national political reporter for the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national political reporter for the Republic. As hosts of The Gaggle, an Arizona politics podcast, we're really curious about how the purple trend in Arizona is playing out across the state. What issues are most important to voters in each congressional district? What are their thoughts on the upcoming election? We've made it to seven out of the nine congressional districts. We've talked to voters in deep red districts like Sue from Paul Gosar's Congressional District 4. And our nation was not founded as a socialist nation. You know, it's, it's a republic and we're capitalists and we need to remain so. And we've talked to voters in solidly blue districts like Tim and Raul Grijalva's CD3. After Trump's, well, the Republican-led tax reform, it's the first time in my life that I owed the government money. We met with representatives from across the aisle. And now we're heading to the final two districts on our list before voters head to the polls. In this episode, we're introducing you to Congressional District 6. It's represented by Congressman David Schweikert. Representative Schweikert was first elected to the U.S. House of Representatives in 2010. Before that, he served as Maricopa County Treasurer from 2004 to 2006. The past year, in the House, he served on the Joint Economic Committee and the Committee on Ways and Means. And in the upcoming election, he'll face off against Democrat Hiral Tipernini. The race is expected to be one of the most competitive of all nine districts in Arizona. That's in part due to an ethics investigation that plagued Representative Schweikert this past year. The House of Representatives Ethics Committee revealed today it's reviewing questionable payments by Congressman David Schweikert to a top staff member. Beyond the investigation, Tippernanny has amassed gargantuan fundraising success. And that's led some to question Schweikert's ability to defend his seat on November 3rd. We spoke with him about that and the issues he says are most important to his voters. Then, we spoke to a Republican 
a Democrat, and an independent voter to compare. All that up next. David, your district includes the Scottsdale area and the Northeast Valley. Tell us a bit about it geographically, if you would. Um, We basically go um, on the east side from the Fort McDowell tribal community all the way over to 43rd Avenue. Um, All of Scottsdale, Town of Paradise Valley, Carefree Cave Creek, Fountain Hills, and then all that sort of swath of North Phoenix. Um, Carefree Highway, except for the Carefree Cave Creek, so it's, it's a really, in many ways, it's an amazing district because you have a freeway through the spine of it. And it's fairly compact as far as Arizona districts go. Schweikert said what's unique about his district socioeconomically is that it's home to some of the wealthiest residents in the valley, but also some of the most traditional blue-collar middle class as well. I think we're near sort of the, we'll call it the metro center corridor. Um, I have population over there that's very entrepreneurial. So if you, we ever sometimes look at the data of all the people that have little LLCs and sort of own their own little businesses, um, a shocking number of entrepreneurs on the west side of the district. So it's a, it's a really interesting, I go from a couple of the highest income zip codes to a couple of the areas which are the true classic, hardworking, taxpaying middle class. Demographically, 86% of the district's residents identify as white. identify as Hispanic, 4.2% as Asian, 2.4% as Black, and 1.7% as Native American. When it comes to the issues, Schweikert emphasized the economy in everything, whether it's healthcare or COVID-19, you name it. He tied every issue we discussed back to the economy. So we'll start there with the economy. On this front, Schweikert said his obligation to voters was to find and to provide support to all the various types of businesses that make up his district. You, you, you focus on you know, the folks on one side of your community that are just trying to start an, an air conditioning business or the difficulties of how could they ever get a government contract or the things you can do to help there compared to other parts of the district where we spent a tremendous amount of time helping small employers get um, PPP loans you know, the payroll protection loans. Um, the biggest employers in the district overall are healthcare and technology. So you actually also now have a whole swath of those from the technology world who are beginning their own entrepreneurial, you know, the little startup businesses. And you have actually a couple corridors in the district where lots of little office space being taken for startups. So you really have to cover the whole gamut from those who are retired, who have you know, Medicare, um, Social Security type issues, to those who are trying to start businesses that have lots of regulatory and tax issues, to those who are trying to become entrepreneurs or just survive, and what sort of resources can you find from the federal government to help them? For voters like Paula, a Republican in the district, she couldn't be more thrilled to hear a focus on the economy. She, too, brought it up as the most important issue to her. Uh, most important thing is the economy. Because unless you have people working and making money, it's going to complicate a lot of things that are in the whole sphere around it. So the economy is our number one issue. 
For independent voter Peg Bonert, an emphasis on the economy is what she wants to hear as well. I'm, inc- I'm concerned about the economy. Okay. Because, is, um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> because, because, no, I'm, I'm of a certain age that I cannot make any more money. Uh, what I have needs to last me for the rest of my life. So I am concerned about how the government is going to be using our money. And this pandemic, we had put us in such a, a hole in needing to borrow probably even more money from other countries. Even for a Democrat in the district, like Sean, who's 36, the focus on the economy is welcomed with open arms. Sean's the vice president of marketing for a small picture framing business in Scottsdale. So on top of the economy, he's also concerned about how COVID-19 is affecting his business. Like a national uh, handling of the of COVID mm-hmm. um, is probably the biggest issue, certainly from our business's standpoint, because while we've been doing well, it's really um, increased the cost to do business and made it a lot harder. And it has all sorts of repercussions with supply chains. When asked about the pandemic, Schweikert said his office's priority was helping connect assisted living facilities with resources for their senior population and helping small businesses keep their employees. So my guess is there's no office, maybe even in the country, that spent as much time helping um, get the rules out, helping um, fill out paperwork, helping to create direction on the payroll protection loans. Um, I mean, we spent hundreds of hours on the phone. We actually did multiple town halls, um, telephone town halls on, here's how you get the PPP loan. COVID-19 was also the top issue for independent voter Peg Bonert. Well, it's impacting everything. It's impacting our way of life and it's impacting our economy. It's impacting our families. Uh, Personally, I have a son who's teaching high school from his dining room and a grandson who's attending college from his bedroom. Hmm. And what's and, that been like for you, for you having to kind of watch them all try to sort through this? Well, it's also impacted, impacting uh, my ability to see them because I'm of an age group and that is uh, very, very vulnerable if I, if I should get the, the virus. And I see, I see them trying to juggle their life accommodating uh, all the changes that we're in. Regarding education, Schweikert said constituents' concerns span the ideological spectrum. No matter the party, most parent voters are concerned about their children's routines in light of the pandemic. So it turns out the issue that has popped up the most within the district, um, and this is across some of the ideological spectrum, is kids going back to school and the desire of parents to have that type of normality. So from a congressional standpoint, we've been focused on um, personal protective equipment, um, some of the other resources, and how do you make sure those are in the pipeline so they're available so schools can open safely. How does the issue of healthcare weigh on the minds of voters, for example, in your district? It may be actually slightly different than some other parts of the state. Um, healthcare is probably my number one employer. So you actually have, for, for many of the folks in Congressional District 6, they see healthcare also as, as their livelihood, 
how they make a living. So many of them see it through also a lens of, of the personal economics. He said most of his constituents have health insurance and there's low participation in the Affordable Care Act. So I think some of that ends up changing the healthcare dialogue in the district where many of the people you're talking to, it's not necessarily their personal health insurance, it's much more than that. It's their health insurance plus their livelihood. For Sean, the Democrat, access to affordable health care is huge. Uh, health care, for sure. Um, and uh, whether they'll, you know, from a personal standpoint, um, you know, I've, I've, a young guy, I've had, you know, some, some issues with, like, my health with, um, like, a, a, like, a stomach issues. And so I worry that, you know, down the line, you know, pre-existing conditions that they come back again would be, you know, troubling um, to deal with. And just the cost of health care, and every year I do it for my company, and it's gotten, you know, sky high. And so the poor people that we work with, you know, it's hard for them to leave work. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't go to the doctor because they don't want to miss the hours that they have to miss to go to the doctor. And then when they go to the doctor, they get a bill that, you know, more than they want to pay. And all the insurance plans that uh, all these large companies offer, keep in mind, I do our insurance negotiations, you know, they keep dumbing the plans down to, to I assume, to make money where they're offering less and charging more for the insurance. And then the co-pays have gotten higher. So with concerns over health care, COVID-19, education, and the economy topping the ticket, does Schweikert have a chance at re-election this November? Let's go back to the two things that could swing the odds against his favor. How do you anticipate your ethics investigation uh, resolution affecting your performance during this election? It's one of the things I've pondered a lot. And from that pondering, he's decided probably not. He said from his experience, voters mostly turn out on ideological issues. But in case voters are concerned, he's opened up a hotline for voters to call in and to ask questions. We've been, and look, I've been heartened how rarely it actually comes up, even when we do telephone town halls and other things. Um, it just does not seem to be the driving factor in attitudinally where people are going to vote. We might expect concern over this investigation could fall along party lines. Paula, the Republican we spoke to, said she didn't care. She called it Washington Games. And are you concerned at all with this ethics investigation into him that resulted in a pretty big fine and a censure and um, he acknowledged wrongdoing? Does that concern you at all? No, really it does not, because uh, Washington plays this game all of the time. And I'm sorry, do. you said what? Washington does what? Washington plays this game all the time. For Democrats, it matters a lot more. The question is, what do undecided voters think? What does the independent voter think? I, want, I expect my representatives to be squeaky clean and follow the law and be upright citizens, and if there's any ethics violations or suspicions, that's a big concern. So the ethics investigation is one thing working against Schweikert. The second, his opponents appeal to both Democrats and Republicans. I like her, I like her medical background. Uh, I believe she's been involved in cancer research. She seems like she could be a breath of fresh air. 
Um, I do know that um, she's a big healthcare advocate, which I like because she's a doctor. Um, so that was my, I think what she ran last time, that was what I remember a lot about her. Schweikert said he doesn't think he'll lose to Harold Tipperneni. He said the Democrats just have a lot of hope. Hope is not actually math. And you actually look at the turnout statistics and those things. It's, it's overwhelmingly a Republican district, but it is also because of economics. Um, a lot of the drivers in this district are pocketbook um, issues, you know, taxes, opportunity, those things. Maybe it is just hope that the Democrats have. But one thing's for sure, Arizona is changing. Democrats are learning to run as independent-minded, middle-of-the-road candidates like Kirsten Sinema did in 2018 when she won the U.S. Senate seat. That was the first time a Democrat had done that since 1988. If Harold Tipperneni does the same, it might just work for CD6 as well. So David Schweikert is your member of Congress in that district. Do you feel as though he's adequately represented you? Oh, no. Yeah, he's platform, like a, plat, a Republican platform only guy. <laughs> and how has that, how, why does that turn you off? Um, just because I, I, I'm more centrist Democrat, so I appreciate like both sides in some ways. And when every issue that comes up, whether it be socially or, you know, financially is just, you know, one sided, I, I feel like we're, we're not getting anywhere. We're, we're, it's good to have um, disagreeing viewpoints always. It's good to have two sides of an equation. But when someone always decides on one side of the equation, it, it's not getting anybody anywhere just to, you know, get reelected or, you know, appease a certain, you know, section of the, you know, electorate per se. Okay. And so do you intend on voting for Harold Tipperini then? For the oh, absolutely. Do you feel as though you've been adequately represented in Congress by Mr. Schweikert? I would say more than likely no. I will not vote for him. And why not? Because I think we need we need change, and I, I, I uh, which is probably why I voted the way I did in 2016. But I think it's time for him to go. And do you attribute? your thoughts on that to any particular event or issue, or do you just feel that way generally? Well, he's in line with the president, and quite honestly, anyone who's in line with the president right now needs to go. Schweikert and Trump still have Paula, the Republicans' vote. And how do you feel about David Schweikert? Do you feel as though um, he's been representing you adequately in the, in the House of Representatives? Yes, he absolutely is. And who do you intend on when it comes to the presidential race? Donald Trump. But if more voters like Sean and Peg come out, it could mean a loss, not just for Schweikert, but possibly for Republicans down the ballot. And um, for the presidential race, you intend on voting for Biden, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. What about for the U.S. Senate race? Um, definitely Mark Kelly. You know, once again, back to the thing of having, you know, it's good to have different viewpoints and different sides. I feel like he'll be a very down-the-road senator. Um, you know, it might not just do like what Schweiker does, where he just sides with one platform all the time. See, I'm very, I'm very open-minded. I voted for Trump in 2016 because I thought 
let's give the man a chance. I gave him a chance. And he he betrayed that chance. So what about the U.S. Senate race? Do you intend on voting for anyone in particular in that one? Oh, Mark Kelly. Okay. And why Mark Kelly? I'm, I'm not a fan of, of McSally. And she did not win. She was appointed because she lost to Kirsten, Kristen Cinema, And I like what Mark Kelly represents. And uh, again, again, McSally is going to be in line with Trump. Anyone who's in line with, aligned and in line with him needs to go. That's it for today, Gaggle listeners. Thanks so much for listening to our special episode on Congressional District 6. If you haven't noticed, we dropped two episodes of The Gaggle today. So if you haven't listened, go check out the last of our Congressional District series where we visit Congressional District 1 and speak with Congressman Tom O'Halloran. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And while we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. Audio in this episode came from Channel 12 and Arizona Public Media. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Taylor Seeley with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.